By George, I've done it. A Florida Gators All 2010s team. Only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Friday. I'm Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with whole nine sports and giantscountryofsi.com with amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them lockdown center. They're today's sponsor. And we're getting into the all 2010 team for the Florida Gators. And there, there's a couple caveats to this um, one. It's not based on just like, who's a statistical leader or if they had like, like little Michael P Ryan's not on the list and, he could have been, but I'm not going to be like, oh, like he just had a really sick moment, like the Auburn touchdown. Uh, there's different reasons for everybody, and I'll, I'll explain them. Also, they need to have been a Gators contributor for at least two years in the 2010s. So starting with a 2-0-1 can't be like Kyle Trask is not on the list because he didn't contribute in 2018, did in 2019, and then did in 2020. But because he only contributed in, during the 2010s. Uh, John Grenard is not on the list. He was a grad transfer from Louisville for one year. Uh, Jake McGee is not on the list because he was a grad transfer from Virginia or Virginia Tech. I, get, I forgot off the top of my head, but he was from one of the Virginia schools uh, for one year, so, so not on the list. But we're getting into it, as always, when we do these full team breakdowns, skill positions, then trenches, and then back seven. Right now, quarterback. Uh, slim pickings when you go, oh, they had to have contributed for two years. You got Will Greer, who contributed for one year. Uh, Kyle Trask, who contributed for one year during the 2010s. Not a ton of talent elsewhere. But I, I picked Felipe Franks here because it was pretty much Felipe Franks or Jeff Driscoll. And I was like, well, I, I guess I'll take the guy who is at least more productive as a Gator. Jeff Driscoll's final season with Louisiana Tech was incredible. But as a Gator didn't produce as much as Felipe Franks did. And that's kind of what it came down to when me going, well, but it's Felipe Franks or Jeff Driscoll looking at running back. I, I added to it. I was kind of trying to piece this together as well. They're, they're going to play together um, as in they'll be on the same team. Jeff Demps is the first one that I picked mainly because I mean, elite world-class speed, explosiveness, production. He, he was a fairly productive back and a very productive back and a per-touch basis as well as that special team's ability. Uh, Kelvin Taylor was one that I almost put, but I was like, ah, let me add speed because I also got Mike Gillisley, who uh, he, he was one of those running backs where he was always picking up yardage. And you knew it. And Mike Gillisley also did the, the really cool slash weird thing where if he was running into contact, he would legitimately just like, as he's running, turn around and just backwards. Like he would just keep leg pressing essentially to pick up extra yardage. Um, and running back was probably the toughest position that I had throughout this entire time, just because there were so many productive runners and so many guys. I'm like, I loved him. Uh, like Jordan Scarlett, Calvin Taylor. 
And I was just like, you know what? I'm putting Jeff Dems, that championship uh, DNA, that championship pedigree, and, and that elite speed, and mixing him with Mike Gillisley. Then looking at receiver, I put four just because, you know, we could spread things out here. I got Van Jefferson, Antonio Callaway, Demarcus Robinson, and Tyree Cleveland. Uh, Van Jefferson, you know, almost 1,200 yards two touch and 12 touchdowns in his two seasons in Florida. He was, of course, an Ole Miss transfer. Antonio Callaway was... Uh, Antonio Callaway was a wombat intellectually, uh, but he was one of the most productive receivers in a time where Florida really didn't have many productive receivers on the roster. So I feel like Antonio Callaway kind of has to get that praise there. Uh, deep play threat always, and and he was he was a great player. He's just you know. Again, like I said, a wombat. Um, and then Demarcus Robinson was always consistent, always reliable. He was the type where, you know, he was never really going to be this elite receiver, but he was always relied upon. Even in the NFL to this day, he's been relied upon consistently. Spent most of his year, with the, most of his career with the Chiefs, and I believe he just signed with the Raiders this past offseason. Um, and and he's probably someone that's going to be reliable there as well. And Tyree Cleveland was never great, but he was a solid receiver for a few years. And I think he's got to get that. And he's also had just insane moments as a Gator. So I I think you have to kind of give him that little shout there. And then to wrap it up, we got tight ends or to wrap it up for this segment, we've got tight ends. I picked two uh, honoring Billy Napier's 12 personnel. And also, you know, two tight ends is fair and reasonable to expect. Um, Trey Burton, is the first one, and Jordan Reed is the other. Jordan Reed is someone who I loved when he was in Gainesville. He had, I think it was, was it a fumble through the back of the end zone from like the one-yard line against Georgia, I want to say, that I remember seeing that, and I I was so mad at him for so long. I I was furious with how that happened. Uh, And then Trey Burton, like I said, he was a genuine do-it-all type, you know, showed up as a, QB, moved to running back, moved to receiver, tight end, and, and he did so much that I was like, I feel, I, I felt like it was kind of cheating adding Trey Burton to this, because when you look at his stats, it looks more like a running back than a, than even a receiver or a uh, tight end, but I was just like, I, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't include Trey Burton as the tight end for this team, or one of the tight ends for this all 2010 team. We're about to move to the trenches offensively and defensively, but first a quick word because the finals are here with an insane game by the way game one ridiculous 4-3 abs in overtime just insane we got the nba finals <laughs> well yeah about that one uh we've got mlb is well underway approaching the all-star break now oh man time is flying world cup qualifiers are going on tennis is just year-round and in insane matchups, intense matchups. You can head to the website today with betonline.net, which is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information, by the way. But head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action. Check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. We're talking about the trenches here now. And I'm starting off with the offensive line, of course. You know, we just wrapped up the rest of the offense. Might as well start with the offensive line. Looking at tackle, I uh, I think like, I, I don't think it was much of a debate, or there is much of a debate to be had here. It's DJ Humphreys and Jawan Taylor for me. It's just two massive, 
human beings that could hold their own on the edges in college. Uh, DJ Humphreys has had a very successful NFL career so far. Juwan Taylor, still early on, been dealing with injuries, been dealing with a few issues, and 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 he's been dealing with being a Jaguar, for being honest. Um, but I picked Humphreys and Taylor. I think they were easy choices for me. I think that one might have been actually the easiest one for me, where I was just like, oh, if I'm if I'm thinking Florida Gators tackles from the twenty from the twenty tens, I'm going yeah, it's it's DJ Humphreys and Jawan Taylor, easily like not even not even a little bit of debate. Uh, interior offensive line, this one is is just from my heart. Uh, Fred Johnson, John Halapio, and Max Garcia. I didn't assign positions, but I mean Fred Johnson as a Gator played tackle and guard, so obviously he's one of the guard spots. Uh, John Jalapio, I picked him because he was a captain. He was a multi-year starter. And I feel like during that like early, mid-2010s era, like John Jalapio was the guy where I was just like, he kind of uh, e- exemplified being a Florida Gator, and he kind of represented that. So I was like, I, I got to include him on the team. And he was also good in college. Um, he'd be, I guess, the right guard, because I'm pretty sure that's all he ever really played a significant time at with uh with Florida and then Max Garcia, he played everywhere on the left side at Florida. He played left tackle, left guard, center. Um, in the NFL, he's played right guard and, and left guard and center. Uh, so I was like, you know, we, we got versatile here. Max Garcia was, I guess I didn't realize it at the time, but like he was actually a great college offensive lineman. He was great with the Florida Gators. So Max Garcia is there. Um, and yeah, so the offensive line is DJ Humphreys on the left side. I'm, I'm, I'm assigning positions here. Um, DJ Humphreys on the left side, Fred Taylor left guard, or DJ Humphreys left tackle, Fred Taylor left guard, Max Garcia center, John Jalapio right guard, and Jawan Taylor right tackle. That's a that's a big offensive line. Uh, that's that's a powerful offensive line to mean mean Mama Jamas over there. Um, but then flipping to the defensive side here, we're gonna look at the edges and interior defensive line during this segment. And again, this is only guys that contributed two or more years in Florida, so, uh, so so no, uh, John Grenard, like I mentioned before, so he won't be here. But Dante Fowler Jr. is the first edge. I, I picked two edges, two interior defensive linemen. Dante Fowler Jr. being the first edge, I think, is you know as easy as it gets. Um, Dante Fowler Jr. when he was at Florida was one of the most dominant college edge rushers that I've ever seen. And I mean that in the sense where, like, I still have this... I, I don't remember who it was against, but I still have this image of Dante Fowler Jr. kind of just, like, vibing with, with whatever music was being played in the stadium. He was, like, waving his hands around, and he was just, like, having fun. And he was, like, bouncing. Like, that's why I'm, like, doing it. If you're not watching on YouTube, I'm, like, doing this. But he was, like, bouncing around, throwing his hands. Like, he was, like, legit bouncing. He was on one leg, like, just rocking back and forth, kind of. Um, and then he snapped the ball, and he was still in the backfield immediately. And it's like, wow, okay. Uh, like, he was just that athletic, and his first step was that quick, where he could do things like that and still be the first guy in the backfield. Uh, and that's just, that's a level of dominance that you never see. And then Ja'Kai Polite is the other edge that I picked, which I, I realize a lot of people have soured on Ja'Kai Polite because uh, his pre-draft process was horrible. Just just the worst pre-draft process from what I've heard. Um, and and I, I don't even think he made it through a year with the Jets before he got cut. And he was a second-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's just the, the, the attitude, the character really demolished him. 
I believe he went with the Rams, and I don't know what's happened to him since he signed with them, but uh, hopefully good things. Um, He had insane potential. It it was ridiculous. He had, like, Dante Fowler Jr. potential. And Dante Fowler Jr., at least, like, he got injured immediately after getting drafted. Ja'Kai Polite just, like, what wasn't cut out for the NFL, I guess. And then looking at the interior defensive line, another two guys that didn't really work out in the NFL, Dominic Easley and Sharif Floyd were the guys that I picked because it is crazy how consistently dominant they were when they were on the field. Dominic Easley was one of the first great interior pass rushers that we saw that undersized style too, where he was like, he wasn't obviously as good as Aaron Donald or anything like that, but he's like that same mold of player. Um, and Sharif Floyd was just a dominant interior defensive lineman long-term injuries uh they ruined their nfl careers you know dominic easily dealt with the injuries through college and then in the nfl he also got injured and sharif floyd had i believe it was a heart issue uh or a or a blood clotting issue that kind of kept him and and kind of forced his nfl career to be cut short which really stunk um but you know florida i mean the trenches defensively are off to a fantastic start or the defense is off to a fantastic start with their trenches, Dante Fowler Jr. and Ja'Kai Polite booking, bookending uh, Dominic Easley and Sharif Floyd. We're about to take a look at the back seven, but first a quick word from Rock Auto because today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It is impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure pointless and seemingly intimidating questions of is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? I, I didn't know it was an Odyssey to begin with. And wait while your person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer at their prices from their distributor. When you could just do it from Rock Auto, it's cheaper. You could do it by yourself and you could do it from home. And I think that's one of the most important parts there. You have access to computers or to your phone. And you know that because you're listening to this somehow. And it's probably through that. Uh, and that means that you have access to rockauto.com by the way, um, you could save time and money when using Rock Auto. Go explore their easy-to-use website where even I could do it. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us boxes so that they know exactly who sent you with amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Talking about the back seven of the Florida Gators all 2010s team here. Uh, linebacker is where we're going to start with it, of course. Jonathan Bostic was the first one that came to mind for me, then Jared Davis. And then the third one was a little rough for me. Uh, there was a few guys that I wanted to include on the list that I wanted to talk about. I ended up going with Antonio Morrison. Um, Jonathan Bostic was a fairly well-rounded college linebacker, insane IQ. He had that hit on Teddy Bridgewater in the, uh, it was the Sugar Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. Um, and it was just a, a great hit on Teddy Bridgewater when it was Florida versus Louisville. And that picture was my wallpaper for like a year or seven. And after that, just like Teddy Bridgewater, his helmet getting knocked off. And Jonathan Bostic, like the the pose that the picture had, looked like he punched Teddy Bridgewater in the face. Like his arm was out and everything. It was, it was a dope picture. Uh, Jared Davis, so good in college. Hasn't worked out in the NFL. But I mean, he's still in the NFL. He's with the Jets right now, I believe. Uh, so much talent in college. Just that quick first step that was just lightning fast and and that's Dante Fowler Jr. had the quick same first step, but Jared Davis played off-ball linebacker, which was really cool. Um, and then Antonio Morrison, he was just like, I was also torn between Jelani Jenkins was one of the guys I was talking about. Alex Anzalone, I wanted to, but he was just always hurt. It was hard to do. Um, but Antonio Morrison was like the typical typical college linebacker. Um, 
that's just like he's not super fast. He's not super strong. His IQ isn't even or his football IQ isn't even that that high. His his instincts aren't that high. But the man's a tackling machine, and he just racked up numbers. So Antonio Morrison was a guy for me that I was like, you know what? I I've got to include him. He he was someone that when he was a Gator, I loved watching him play. So had had to include him on the list. Next up, uh, I we have corner, we have safety. I picked star, which is of course, uh, if you're new here, Florida Gators nickel spot, that corner safety hybrid type that plays a slot spot. It was incredibly easy. <laughs> um, it was Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who, if I didn't include a star, I probably would have put him at safety. But he was a weird one because you know. He played a little outside. He played a little safety. He played that nickel spot. And that's why I was like, you know, putting him as the star on this team is about as great as you can get or about as accurate as you can get a spot for him. Because he went out, like, even, he, I, I think I've told this story before, but uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was, I believe, my first year covering the NFL draft. And he was the only player that I listed as a nickel player. Like, like He was the only player that I was like, He's a slot DB. I don't care. Like he can do the other things, but if you want the best out of him, you play him in the slot. So Chauncey Gardner Johnson is the star elite nickel defender. I know that uh, Josh Garner hates him. I know that a lot of you probably hate him now since you're Bucks fans. Um, but I mean, this was the easiest money I had to worry about. Cornerback is up next, and Florida's had a ton of corners uh, siphoned through Gainesville. Uh, during the past 12 years now, but again, that, that 2010s range. And the three that I picked were Vernon Hargraves a third, obviously, Tease Tabor and CJ Henderson. Um, Vernon and Tease were both just two incredibly dominant cornerbacks in college. Uh, I remember Vernon going at it with Bama receivers consistently, and I don't know why it is Bama, in my mind, is the one that sticks out. Uh, Tease Tabor was, you know, not a great athlete. He's still in the NFL. I believe he's playing safety now for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Vernon Hargraves, of course, was just on the Bengals that lost the Super Bowl. And I think his, I think his contract expired. He might be a free agent right now. Um, and then CJ Henderson was the eighth or ninth overall pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars and got traded to the Carolina Panthers and in their stacked secondary, um, but, you know, Florida's always done a good job of just getting elite corners through the program, and that that's no different when you look at Vernon Hargraves, when you look at T.C. Board, when you look at C.J. Henderson. And it was also – this one was kind of hard, too, because there were so many guys that came in and out. Um, I think the one that I had the toughest choice um, excluding from this list, I'll say, was Luchez Purifoy. Uh, he, he wasn't amazing. Like I, I don't think he got drafted. I know he signed with the Colts, and I, I think he didn't do anything with the in the NFL after that. But I loved him so much in college. Him and Marcus Roberson, I was like, oh, best best corner duo in the nation right now, uh, and they were great. But yeah, Luches Purifoy, I wanted to add on the list. I just couldn't do it over Vernon Tease and CJ Hendo. Um, so Luches Purifoy was was close. If I did a fourth corner, he would have been the guy. And looking at safety, Marcus May, Matt Elam, and Keanu Neal. And I'm, I'm now thinking about this where I was like, you know, Marcus May was a versatile safety. He can kind of do it all. Uh, Matt Elam played a lot of that deep safety role for Florida, and, and he was a first-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens. I believe it was like the 31st overall pick the year after um, in 20. 
13 or 2014. Uh, and then Keanu Neal was all, was the Falcons first round pick. And I didn't even realize it when I made this list, but I was like, Marcus May, Matt Eagleman, Keanu Neal, like Florida just had a bunch of body snatchers at safety. That's all the head hunting types where they were just like, Oh, you're going to catch the ball in the middle. We're going to kill you. Like it, it was as simple as that where Marcus May, Matt Eagleman, Keanu Neal, absolute freaks. And they're rounding out my secondary, which best secondary in college football history uh, outside of the probably 2000s Florida Gators teams. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We will be back Monday with more on your Florida Gators. We will have a bonus episode tomorrow if Jaden Rashada does commit. If he doesn't, then Monday. Um, And also a reminder, next week I'll be on vacation the entire week and the week after that, but we will have daily episodes still coming out. They'll be pre-recorded, which I'm about to pre-record, but they'll be pre-recorded and they're they're all prepped. And if there's big news, we'll handle it when I get back. Now make your second listen to Lockdown NBA Big Board Podcast. Raphael Barlow, Richard Slayman, and Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospect, the latest player rankings, and of course, Big Boards. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole 9 Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports and GiantsCountryFSI.com. And I'll see you all maybe tomorrow, maybe Monday.